0: Hello and welcome to Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: Johnny Dollar.
2: I am thy father's spirit. What? Doomed for a certain term to walk the night.
1: <laughs> well, good for you. And
2: for the days confined to fasting fires.
1: How about that?
2: Till the foul crimes done in my days of nature are burnt and purged away.
1: Bravo, Mr. Shakespeare. Now, why don't you just relax and enjoy it?
2: I wish I could, Johnny. This is Jack Price down here in Corpus Christi.
1: I thought I recognized those pear-shaped tones. How are you, Jackson? Oh, uh,
2: fair, fair. Why the
1: long-winded quote from Act One of Hamlet?
2: Tell me, Johnny, do you believe in ghosts? Are you kidding? Not a bit. Because a lot of innocent people down here in Corpus are beginning to.
1: You are kidding? No, sir. How come?
2: Because of a so-called psychic medium who's moved in on us.
1: A medium? hmm? He's
2: been holding seances or whatever you call them and making with the clairvoyance bit. He's a rare one, Johnny.
1: Now, which is it, Jack? What? Rare, medium, or maybe well done?
2: Well, the act he puts on is well done, all right.
1: What's your worry about him?
2: costing us money. How? Uh, Come on down here, Johnny. I'll give you the story and you can get to work on him. Okay?
1: All right, Jackson. Why not?
2: The CBS Radio Network brings you Mandel Kramer in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-Western Life Insurance Company office in Corpus Christi, Texas. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the medium rare matter. Expense account item one. $132.15 for a cab to Bradley Field, and plane fare to Corpus Christi. Item two is thirty-five for the airport limousine to the Robert Driscoll Hotel, where I got myself a room, parked my luggage, before walking over to Jack Price's office in the Cats building.
2: Uh, I'll bet you're tickled pink to get away from that cold New England winter weather. That's huh? the
1: truest thing you ever said, Jackson. How are you?
2: Oh, fit to be tired, Johnny, on account of this so-called psychic medium.
1: Oh? Sit down, I'll tell you all. All right. Tell me, don't the police around here kind of frown on such? This one is a phony, isn't it he? Sure
2: is. But somebody's got to prove it and put him out of business. Johnny, there are a lot of people who believe in spiritualism. But when a ranked charlatan like this comes along... Well, I mean, let's face
1: it, Jack. You find them all over. They ought to be locked up, but they're usually too smart.
2: Now, let's have the story. Well, first off, he operates out beyond the city limits. That's why our Corpus Christi police are helpless. Yep. His name is Udi Vishnu. Vishnu, at hmm? least that's the name he uses. Hmm. And you ask me, that Hindu or whatever it is accent he uses has a touch of Brooklyn in it. No. Phony, phony, phony. But they continue to fall for him. Knowledge of the past, present, and future. Mind-reading, message from the dead. Phooey. You really don't like him, do you? He's already cost us money. Huh? Unless you can stop him, he'll cost us a lot more. Us and a lot of other people. And that means a lot of heartbreak, too. Don't tell me that he makes a charge for his meetings, seances, whatever you want to call them. Too smart. He'd be up against the laws on fortune-telling. No, Johnny, all he takes is contributions. Uh-huh. There's no law against that. Just where and how does he operate? A few miles out south, Staple Street. You remember the place they call Ranch 66? Wasn't that a gambling
1: joint, among other things?
2: Well, they prefer to call it a roadhouse. Anyhow, on a side road uh, ways beyond Ranch 66... ...there's a little theater that's been empty for years. Mm -hmm. And now, all decked out in fresh paint with a new facade... ...it's Udi Vishnu's Temple of the Living Truth. Mm. And, Johnny, every single night of the week... ...that place is packed with the poor suckers... ...who think he's some kind of a new prophet. He must be good. Yes, he's great. And, brother, you should see the money they lay on the drum... Plenty, huh? Right. Including proceeds from the insurance policies they've been cashing in. Ah, so that's where it hurts. You bet it does. We've made a big thing over the years of insuring the little guy. The one that some of the big companies don't want to bother with. Policies for only a grand or two. And don't you see, Johnny? Those are the people who need that insurance. And you've got to stop him.
1: Well, Jackson, I don't know. You've got to,
2: Johnny, before any more of these people get hurt. Every single night they're out there shelling out their dough to hear his glorified magic act. People from all over this part of the country. Oh? Yeah. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, wherever he's carefully planted his literature. At least that brings some extra money into
1: this thriving city
2: of Corpus Christi. Wrong. I forgot to tell you. The suckers don't know it, or if they do, they don't care. But he also owns a big old hotel that just happens to be only a block away from his temple. It's always jammed with his followers. This thing's been going on for over a month now, so he's really cleaning up. But mostly, of course, uh, on the contributions. Um,
1: I don't know, Jack. I mean, if he's not committing any actual crime... I, uh, think he is. What do you mean? What, What sort of crime? Murder. Murder? Yeah,
2: He's been getting his people in his... his, Well, his followers to name him as the beneficiary of their insurance. Not temple, Johnny, but him. Oh? Yeah, and listen. Go ahead. In the last two weeks, for no apparent reason... And remember that. Yeah. Two of our clients, both of them in good health, but neither of them wealthy or anything like that... Yeah, go on. For no apparent reason, they've been murdered. And the murders are unsolved. And you think this...
1: Udi Vishnu did it?
2: Now, wait. No, no, he's too smart. But knowing his influence over his followers... and their fanaticism... the way that some of them do anything for him... and I mean anything, Johnny, even murder. Well, what do you think? You want to look into it?
1: Looks like somebody better, doesn't it?
2: Good. Now, just how do you plan to start your investigation... of this phony mystic, this Udi Vishnu...
1: Well, it seems to me, Jack, that it might be smart to go on out there to his temple and catch his act. That's what I thought. So here you are. You better
2: have this. What's this? An admission ticket.
1: You mean you have to have a reserved seat?
2: Sure do. And here you are, for row H, seat number 43. Well, I thought you said there was no charge. Well, there isn't. But you have to have a ticket or you'll never get in. It's funny. Most of them are handed out there at the Temple of the Living Truth Hotel. And just to make it look good, some of the small hotels and motels on the edge of town are given a few ducats, too. I see. Anyhow, if you want to go tonight,
1: here. Okay, Jackson. Thanks. Item three, $50 deposit on a rental car. By the time I'd got it and gone back to the Robert Driscoll to freshen up, well, item four is six eighty for a cocktail and a leisurely dinner. Then I drove out to the temple of the living truth. Literally scores of people were standing around begging to be let in, but only those with tickets for reserved seats were admitted. And remember that, reserved seats. The audience, or rather the auditorium, held something over a hundred people, and the house was packed. The wide, shallow stage was hung with gray velvet drapes and was bare except for a sort of a reading stand or a lectern. There were steps leading from the audience to stage center. And Jack had been right. Most of the people gathered there looked like rather poor folks, the very kind most likely to be taken in by this self-styled mystic. My ticket stub said the service would start at 8.30. At exactly 8.27, the lights were slowly dimmed except for a blue spotlight that shone on the lectern and on the steps that led up to it. And from somewhere came the recorded music of an organ. Low, haunting, mysterioso. The crowd grew silent. They all leaned forward expectantly. And then at 8.30 on the nose, from one side of the stage, into the spotlight, glided Udi Mishnu. I'll say this for him. He cut a mighty impressive figure. He was tall with curly chestnut hair and a smart, short beard. Brown eyes that were set deep in their sockets, but that almost seemed to glow in the spotlight. His face rather pale and wan, like that of someone who has suffered. He wore a long, gray robe bound in the middle by a cord that looked like gold. It reached to the tips of his gold-colored sandals. His hands were those of the artist with long, slim fingers that barely gracefully curved as he gave the sign of a blessing. He simply stood there for a moment, his eyes raised upward, as a soft, almost imperceptible sigh passed through the crowd. Then he lowered his hand, and the music died out. As he looked out over the crowd, I realized that there was something almost magnetic in that gaze of his, almost hypnotic. Believe me, whatever it was, this man had it.
0: And do you believe? We
3: believe.
0: And do you believe in me? We believe. And do you know that I and I alone possess the infinite knowledge? Yes, yes we, we know. Of all things then and now and forever? Yes. Then you know, my children, that through me, You, too, can be possessed of supranormal, supernatural powers can share my unification with the omnipotent consciousness that rules the cosmic destiny of all mankind. My
3: bond with the supreme intelligence and you can gain
0: psychic powers beyond belief. Know all things about all people Now these tremendous forces lie dormant within you. They must be aroused and developed as only I can show you how. If you will uphold me not only in worldly things but in things spiritual. If you will believe, believe in me and show me that you believe Your lives will be successful, full and complete. Yes. You know this. Yes. Then be silent. As I close my eyes, as I concentrate on someone here I have never seen before, but who will be the first tonight to be relieved of all worldly cares? who is one of the elect to share with me the... Yes. Yes, I see now a number. The number H-4-1.
3: Oh, it's me. Really? That's my ticket. My seat number. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, mister, but see, it's the number of my seat. Yes,
1: I I see, miss, but uh, wait a minute, I mean... Patience, my
0: child, that I Uh, may speak.
3: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: In the eye of my mind, there comes a vision now. A farm in Oklahoma, near the town of El, El... El... Yes, El...
3: El Reno, yes. Oh.
0: And a little girl, perhaps, Ten years old. Her name is Martha.
3: Oh, that's my name.
0: Martha Winter. Yes. And with her, a little dog. dog. The dog. The dog she was not supposed to have. She never told her mother. His name was Skipper. Skipper.
3: I'd almost forgotten.
0: Then, Martha's school. And Miss Albright.
3: My teacher. But how could he know?
0: Yes. Who alone helped Martha decide not to run away from home.
3: It's true.
0: And now, when she got the call to come here to see me. But... She left the car, an old one. It's
3: blue. He's right. He's right.
0: 43 U7418. Oh!
3: That's the license number. But but it's back in Oklahoma.
0: Are you here, Mom?
3: Yes. Yes. All you said is true.
0: And do you believe?
1: People there in the audience, all about themselves, names, places, dates, intimate things about their faraway homes, their childhood friends, events in their lives that they themselves had almost forgotten. Believe me, it was impressive and very convincing. And when he promised eternal supernatural help for all those who would help him, well, brother, you should have seen the money bore into the collection baskets. After it was over, in the crowd outside, I talked with those people to find out how he had learned so much about them. But they'd only arrived that very day, that morning. And more important, not one of them had told anyone, not anyone, of the personal things that he had known. Who could blame them then for believing him, and for believing in him, and for going on back to their farms or whatever, convinced that thanks to him all their troubles were over and forever... And the next night, there'd be another, a fresh mob there, to shell out their money for his phony promise of supernatural help. But how to stop him?
2: You know the only way, of course. Do I, Jack? Sure. Somehow prove to those followers of his how he actually does get all that information about him. But it's pretty fantastic, isn't it? He's never seen him before, doesn't even have any way of knowing they're going to be there. Yeah, he's mighty convincing. And what he does is just plain impossible but until you or I or somebody can duplicate his act and tell him it's all a phony. But how? Even Houdini or Thurston or Blackstone or any other magician would have to take a back seat to this punk. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jackson.
1: Yeah? Reserved seats. Huh? And one of those names you mentioned, a magician, years ago when he set out to expose the phony medium... What are you talking about? In all the big cities where he played, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, all the big towns... But this one, this Udi Vishnu plays to the country folks who couldn't have known about that magician's expose. Look, will you please tell me... Jackson, I think I can do it. Yeah? Get some tickets for tonight's performance and drag in all the state or county authorities, whoever has jurisdiction, all of them that you can. Also, somebody from one of the news services. What are you going to do, Johnny? See if I can prove once and for all that this big mystic is just one big mistake. The next few hours were about the busiest I ever spent. First of all, through a contact there in Corpus Christi, whose name I had better not mention, I got the answer to the one key question in my mind. Amount of the latest monthly phone bill paid by the Temple of the Living Truth Hotel. Then on the excuse that I wanted a reservation for the night, I paid a visit to the hotel. Needless to say, all the rooms were taken, but I sneaked a good long look at the register, and sure enough, beside the name of each guest were the two things I needed to know, home address, and ticket number for the night's meeting. Only let's call it performance now. Then back in town, I ran up item four, $121 in telephone calls. I know, a lot of calls, but very necessary ones. Then... I don't know where and how Jackson got the tickets, but he did. And there in the audience with us were six or seven state and county cops, out of uniform and looking fresh off the farm, and two reporters from the national news services. Again, the house was full. Again, the dim lights and organ music. Again, the opening preliminaries.
0: Do you believe?
3: We believe.
0: And do you believe in me? We believe. And do you know that I alone possess the infinite knowledge?
3: Yes, we
0: know. Of things then and now and forever?
1: Again, I say it was pretty impressive. Then he began his demonstration. He was every bit as good as he'd been the night before, and by the end of an hour, he had them with him all the way. Finally came the break that I'd been waiting for when he called out one of the numbers on the list that I had compiled. And
0: I see another number in the eye of my mind. Number l three. Hey,
3: that's me. It's my seat number. Well, then listen, my brother.
0: While I tell you of the wondrous things I know through the psychic powers that have been granted me. Yes. That have made you one of the elect. No, let me tell him. What's
3: there? Hey, Come
0: Wait. Wait. Be silent, my children. And who are you, my brother?
1: I was here last night. Don't you see you've inspired in me the same powers that you have? The same powers?
3: Listen to me. Listen to me. Seat
1: number L13. Have you ever seen me before? No. No, I haven't. Wait, my chair. Of course you haven't, nor have I ever seen you before, but that doesn't keep me from knowing all about you. Please. The same kind of trickery that this Uri Vishnu has been using on you. Do not listen to him. Number L13. Your name is Martin Meppard. You came from Cotton Valley, Louisiana. Car license number CFU160.
3: You're a plumber's helper, right? Yes. Oh, no, no. He, he has to, to give. The he has to give. Oh, oh. Please do not
1: listen to this man. Mr. Heppard, you walk with a limp because you broke your leg when you were six years old when Tommy Parkin shoved you out of a tree. No. True. Do not listen to this man. Your teacher man. in the first grade, Miss Brewster, she promised you a book if you'd stop chewing your nails. Is that a fact?
3: Yes. 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 How do you know? I'd forgotten myself. <laughs> I know
1: by the same trick this crook has been using. My children.
3: Seat My number three forty-one,
1: Mrs. Nathan Carey. Yes. Your maiden name was Wilma Leonard you were born in Asherton, you went
3: away to Austin when you were 14
1: and
3: a little secret in your life. Well, listen, and I'll tell you. No, no, stop this man. Stop
1: it! Stop it! By the time I got through telling some of those people stuff that even Uri Vishnu hadn't found out about them, and some of it was pretty personal, they fairly tore the place apart. Then when Rudy dragged a gun from under his robes to protect himself and pulled off a couple of shots, well, then the police moved in. As for the radio newspaper story, that followed. well believe me, Udi Vishnu, whose real name turned out to be Bernie Bildrick, won't try that caper again, even if he does get out of a pen. But you still haven't
2: told me how you got all that dope on those people and in only a matter of hours, John. Same way he did, Jack. And some of it pretty intimate stuff, too, and stuff they couldn't have told you because they'd forgotten about it. What's more, you'd never seen him before. How,
1: Johnny? Look, the tickets were free, but all the seats were numbered, reserved. Now, there had to be a reason, Jackson. That's what reminded me of the famous magician, the trick that he'd used up in New York. Yeah? He'd call the ticket agency the hotel, find out the name and address of a guest who'd bought a ticket to his show. Well, down here, of course... All I had to do was look at the register, right there at the temple of the Living Truth Hotel. Which will soon be out of business, I promise all you. All right. Having seat number, name, and home address, I got on the phone that Mr. Martin Mefford from Cotton Valley, Louisiana. I called the police chief there and the mayor. On the information they gave me, I called his old schoolteacher, two cousins, a couple of boyhood pals, an old girlfriend. Jackson, by the time I got through, I knew more about him than he did about himself and the same with the others. Well, I'll be darned. So, what's that? You certainly
2: proved your point. Point? Big mystic? No, big
3: mistake. (laughs)
1: Whether they can pin the two murders on him that Jack told me about remains to be seen. That's up to the authorities, not in my hands now. Expense account total? 46530. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Well, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a nice, quiet little town in South Jersey that doesn't stay that way for long. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly,
2: Johnny Dollar is written by Jack Johnstone, produced and directed by Bruno Zerato, Jr. Music supervision by Ethel Huber. Johnny Dollar is played by Mandel Kramer. Featured in our cast were Maurice Tarplin as Jack Price, Dan Arco as Udi Vishnu, Evelyn Juster as the first woman, Bill Lipton as Martin Mefford, Tony Darnay as the second woman. Also heard in our cast were Guy Rep and Sam Raskin. Be sure to join us next week, same time, same station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Art Hanna speaking. The number one network for news, expanded CBS News on the CBS Radio Network.